Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Politics. Insert punchline to political views you disagree with. Let's start the show. Welcome to The Pestle. Today's episode is brought to you by Seattle Grace. Seattle Grace, where there's a good chance you'll die because your doctor is figuring out for the love life. <laughs> Welcome to uh, The Pestle. I'm Wes. I'm Todd. And this is a show where we like to discuss movies in detail, looking for anything that can inform us about the filmmaking, I don't know, process and maybe the writing process, story, theme. Yeah, so we look for anything that might help inform us about the movie making process. Um, at least I do. <laughs> yeah, I don't look for anything. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. So, so I'm Todd, and um, I'm not like a an expert per se. I like to talk to experts and find out what they think after I figure out what I think as well. But but it's impressive. It, I mean, the things you pick up on. Having said that, it's not like you, well, you bring a lot. You know, I'm always impressed with the things you pick up on. That I'm like, God. I'm, never even considered that and, and that's just, that's cool that's kind of why i like doing this because you know you have the technical you know i you're a filmmaker you you know you've done this for a really long time and and i i just kind of bring like the everyday person's uh, perspective on on a film you know i can go to a film and shut my mind <laughs> off i can do a lot of things by shutting <laughs> my mind off <clears throat> it's pretty easy to do uh but um but I know that when you're watching a film, you know, your mind's going a mile a minute, even if you try not to. Yeah, you know, even those times. Happens. It takes a really special film to, to get me out of that mode, for sure. Yeah. Um, and even my favorite films, I just can't help it. It's an obsession <laughs> at this point, uh, which is why I really like reading books more and more, because I can read them and b- yeah. be in that place of, I'm completely checked out right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless it's a really annoying book well what if you are a a writer though um that's a fair question because i am a writer in the sense of screenplays but if i was a novelist i think that would get maybe overwhelming or or i don't know maybe you have your kind of junk food genres that you could go to uh Mm. i know stephen king um who wrote it was he says he reads like 70 80 books a year but but yeah Wow. He he wakes up, he writes, and then he reads a bit. And I mean, if that's your life, if, if you I, don't have to go to a day job every day, right. you know, I can see that. For it sure. makes it easier, right? Yeah. So if you haven't seen it already, you should know that there are spoilers. We're going to be talking in depth about everything. So go watch it. Uh, it's a good film. I think you'll enjoy it. And that's your spoiler warning from here on out. It's, yep. you know, gung ho. Things are happening. Um, we'll be talking about the theme of it and some of the camera work and editing techniques. We'll discuss child actors. Uh, I think it can be really difficult to have a film packed with child actors. Um, really easy to let that go astray. And we'll also talk about what makes a good horror film along the way. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of other weird little alleys we dive into because this is such an interesting film that covers so much ground. Um, I'm really excited. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like Easter eggs in this, in this film too. I mean, the one obvious one is that, you know, it, it comes back every, was it 27 years? Right. And this is the 27th 
year anniversary of the original. Oh. So that's, I mean, you know, Easter egg number one. Yeah. Like, that's pretty cool that they, that that cool. they did this. Holy cow. And that they did it well. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you, you go back and you, and you kind of watch the original and it doesn't really hold up. <laughs> Struggle city. Yeah. So it's, it's not like it'd be hard to make it better, but uh, this day and age, it's hard to make a good scary movie. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it really is. It's like, um, there are so many films that, that try to be scary, but they only use this, this like, Oh, it's quiet. And now all of a sudden it's loud and, <laughs> and something jumps out and it scares the living Jesus out of you. And this film does that. Don't get me wrong. In spades. In spades. Um, but it's just not as, it's just not as, uh, annoying for whatever reason. I'm not, I'm not sure why. I think yeah. I think maybe because I'm expecting to see a clown. Mm. Uh, Going with that anticipation. I, maybe I don't know. I'm not sure, but it doesn't really it doesn't really bother me in this film as it does in in most others. All right, so let's just go ahead and start with the synopsis of the film. A group of bullied kids band together when a shape shifting demon taking the appearance of a clown begins hunting children. Directed by Andy Machete, based on the novel by Stephen King, screenplay by Chase Palmer, uh, Carrie Fukunaga, thank you, (laughs) and Gary (laughs) Doberman, uh, starring Bill Skarsgård. Man, these names are difficult. (laughs) Bill Skarsgård, who's a beautiful man, by the way, as Pennywise, uh, Jaden Lieberer as Bill. Sophia Lillis as Beverly Marsh and Finn Wolfhard as Richie. Guys! Don't tell me that. Yeah. George, George, you were cautious. Whose sneaker is it? It's Betty Ripsters. What if she's still here? Okay, if she finds out that we're playing down here, I'm serious. Bill? If I was Betty Ripson, I would want us to find him. Georgie, too. What if I don't want to find him? I mean, no offense, Bill, but I don't want to end up like... I don't want to go missing either. Nice. Yeah, those kids are so good. Nailing it. What a you're not a big horror fan fan, are you? No, I'm not. Not really. Yeah. Um did you enjoy this movie? I loved it. Interesting. I thought it was great. It it it, it like I hadn't I went in there expecting not to like it. Mm-hmm. Um I don't like clowns, but I'm not like crazy scared of them. I'm just kind of like, you know, who likes clowns? Right. I mean, really, who likes them? <clears throat> but, and then, um, I'm not the craziest about, uh, scary movies. I just, something about being scared. I don't know about being annoyingly scared. Mm. Uh, and, um, like startled. Let's say that. Okay. I don't like being startled. That's, being scared mm-hmm. is, is totally different. Uh, and so, I had no idea what to expect because I had, I didn't go watch the the original beforehand to kind of like get an idea, like rewatch it. 
So um, I was just like, okay, I was just going this film. Um, I loved that there was a ton of comic relief. It was it was just full of it, and I know we'll talk about it, but like it it was in a good way. You know, there are there are some movies like um, the the newer Texas Chainsaw Massacre that that you're just stressed out the entire time. It mm-hmm. does not let up at all. And by the time the movie's over, you just like feel like you need to take a bath. <laughs> and this is just, it's so great. Every time you feel like, Oh, I need a breath. You get it, you know? And, um, the, having the kids be like the focal point was just great. It was brilliant. No, that's a good point. And when you talk about the, having those moments where you take a breath, it was interesting because at some points there are moments where you think you're going to get a breath mm-hmm. and you don't. Like the first time uh, they have they they meet Pennywise all together in the garage, and oh, then yeah. you immediately think, "Oh yeah, we're we need to like take our time here, guys, because what are we going to deal with?" And Bill is like, "Nope, we're going over to his house now." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You mean after that? Yeah, yeah, immediately, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, straight over there. It, yeah, it was really it was really enjoyable like you know i wouldn't say that my wife would like it because she really does not like scary (laughs) movies um i just like movies in general so like i'll go see a scary movie but she no i don't think that she can handle it but out of any scary movie i think that she would like it i think one of the things that makes this a particularly good film and it owes to stephen king uh because it tackles his two best genres which is drama and horror because it's not just a purely horror film. You have so much happening in these kids' lives, um, which ties in directly to the horror side of it yeah. in a really interesting thematic way, which I'll get to in a little bit. But I think having those moments of reprieve be something that's rewarding um, to the point to where you showed up for a horror film, but there's points in the film where you don't really w- want to go back to the horror you want to yeah. stay with them in their lives as they're enjoying each other and uh, their their friendship, their camaraderie, the love uh, that's beginning to take hold between three of the characters, right? You have that little love triangle. And getting us invested in that makes the horror that much scarier and that much more stressful because you're rooting for everybody here and you're invested in, in their personal outcomes um, even as much as you know their survival itself. Oh, totally. And I love that. That's yeah. that's amazing writing. And I think even though it's Stephen King had put that in, you know, probably the book. I haven't read the book, so I'm speaking out of assumptions. Mm-hmm. But that's still an easy thing. You can screw up in the translation. I oh, feel yeah. like we see that all the time where someone takes a good book and rips the soul out of it. Yeah. Uh, so it was um, it was directed uh, by Andy Muschietti, who you told me before we started this that he directed the first season of. Uh, so he directed Mama, but it was written by uh, to the point you were going to. Oh. Uh, it was written by the uh, Carrie Fukunaga, who. Oh, that's okay. He uh, directed the first season of True Detective. Awesome. So you can see, yeah, no, that's yes, a good point. Yes, yes. Uh, the, the 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 character development mm-hmm. in that, like. Because he did such an amazing job in that season, developing those characters and yeah. all the characters, he he, <clears throat> these these writers don't leave any of these characters as expendable, right? You know, like yes. you feel 
like they all have a place and they came from somewhere and and that's hard to do with how how many characters are in this film there's it a lot really is and you know what i think adds to it is the music because we have two different types of music that are happening we have the score right with all the strings and the stabs and the jump scares um but you also have the soundtrack yeah. that plays whenever you know they're at the they're at the lake and bust a move uh, is playing and uh there's other tracks along the way, New Kids on the Block. You know, they, they use these soundtracks as a way to help us engage in not only the, the era, but also in their lives. And suddenly, instead of these stabby strings, we're hearing voices in the music that's helping to communicate a feeling or a moment. And I think that empathizes a little bit more, and it also separates those two worlds that much more. So that when we're in that, that drama setting, uh, we're a little bit more in it than yeah. I think we otherwise would be. Yeah. Awesome. It's a really good, yeah, I think it's a really smart way to to help immerse us in each of these worlds is by helping separate those scores um, quite a bit significantly. Yeah, I, I, lo- I loved it. I, it felt like I was in that era. I never, you know, I never felt like I was taken out of it and I was in today, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was always the 80s. It yeah. was great. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what would you say the theme of it is. So I think it's interesting that the the horror and the, the drama go hand in hand because uh, what they're dealing with in the drama is largely what they're dealing with in the horror, just you know the other side of the coin. Uh, and I'll start with saying that I thought it was interesting the adults never help. You never get mm. any help from an adult. Yeah. And even at one point, uh, you have Ben, uh, the big kid, uh, who's getting bullied, the new kid on the block. He's getting bullied by Henry and his crew, and even they've pulled out the knife, right, and they, they have not pinned against uh, the railing next to the road. And we have these two adults drive by and watch. Oh, yeah. And keep going. That. Yeah, they just well, kept like, going. They could not have cared less. They were like, yeah. oh, it sucks to be you. Got to go. <laughs> like, they really didn't care. And I think that really sums up the adults place in this world because this is a coming of age film, you know, literally and, and metaphorically because coming of age, right? There's not much adults can do for you. Uh, you, you're in a very awkward time. You're going through puberty. You're, you're dealing with social pressures in a way that you've never dealt with in your life. Um, as all those hormones are kicking in. I mean, you have so many things swirling around that you're dealing with, uh, and parents can sometimes, and in this movie they are, uh, be a hindrance. Yeah. Right? I mean, uh-huh. uh, you look at what Eddie was going through with his mom, who was manipulating him, right, with <laughs> sickness and gazebos. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. These are bullshit. These are gazebos. <laughs> Oh, what a great and it's amazing it's, so it's really hard to do comedy and drama that well at the same time <laughs> because you're laughing but you're also with him yes absolutely i mean this it's a great example of the fact that you can do that you yeah. know but you just gotta you've got to be dedicated to it you can't do it in one scene and not and not others it yeah. has to be throughout the movie spaced out you know yes yeah, smartly properly. timed yeah. yeah and and so there's another thing that was interesting and as I'm layering into the theme. Uh, floating. There's a lot of floating that goes on, right? There's the, 
the verbal yeah. thing that everyone keeps saying, the kid, the and Pennywise, you know, everybody floats down here and you'll float too. And uh, his blood itself floats. He gets stabbed, mm. he gets cut, the blood rises up. Um, and you have all his prisoners down in the uh, sewer system. Whenever they're taken prisoner, uh, they float. Alive or dead, doesn't yeah. matter. You're floating. Um, the balloons are constantly running around, uh, floating as well. And I think what it's doing is it's tying in the uh, the imagery of a balloon representing childhood and that it's floating away. These kids mm-hmm. are coming of age and their childhood itself is floating away. Um, because growing up means facing our fears. And so you have everybody facing their own battle, their own demon. Uh, let's look at Bev. You know, she's attacked. Her very first attack is what? It's blood and hair. And her yeah. her fear right now is maturity. It threatens her uh, via her perverted and controlling dad. And she finally stands up to him, right? And ironically is taken by Pennywise. And it's ironic because uh, her dad was actually kind of protecting her after all, uh, unintentionally, because he wouldn't attack until the dad was gone. Um, or, or at least unconscious. And you could see throughout her time coming home that the TV was on. It was playing that creepy children's TV show about uh, going into the sewers or whatever. Um, it was trying to lure her in. But it wasn't until she finally confronted them that she almost kind of graduated to dealing with uh, her actual horror, which, you know, is Pennywise. But I think it's still representing facing your fears. And in her case, that was what that was. And then we have a montage later on after they have their big fallout from their first big Pennywise encounter in his house, you have this montage of kids kind of growing up. And I mean, this isn't all included in the montage, but uh, first you see Stan Lee's bar mitzvah. Uh, and that's literally, literally what he's doing, right? He's yeah. that's his rite of passage. And then you also have Mike, uh, the new kid killing the sheep, doing what he's finally uh, been wanting to do and needing to do. Uh, he's leaving childhood behind. Uh, then after that, you have Bev standing up to her dad. Then you have Eddie standing up to his mom because she had been manipulating him with sickness and disease. And so all of his fears manifested in that way, too. Uh, he's seeing a leper. And I guess for Stanley, he was seeing uh, the painting, which was hanging in his father's office, mm-hmm. who's a rabbi. I don't know what that painting is, if it has actual significance. Um, or if it's just a random work of art that they created for the film, I have no idea. Uh, if you want to drop a note, feel free to do so. <laughs> yeah, because that is one creepy painting. So, question: Do you think that back to your point about just for a second about mm-hmm. um, the parents not helping and about the the kids having to deal with this? Do you think that that kind of has something to do with? Because like most of these parents are the reason why Pennywise is there in the first place, you know. Like they grew up in that era, they dealt with that. It's like really their burden they that now falls it. on their children, and now the children have to deal with it. And in doing so, they basically lose their childhood. You know, like they grow up, they have to grow up right then. Do you think that that? I don't know. Has any bearing? Um, I think that's really interesting. Uh, I don't know how much it's directly inserted into the film itself, but I think mm-hmm. it's a really good like extra analysis mm. of as parents, like you're saying, like your job is to protect your kids from the horrors of the world. Uh, 
for whatever to whatever end, whether it's just to be a healthy, normal, functioning human being, or to just postpone adulthood as long as yeah. you can. Um, who who wouldn't want to spend an extra year or two uh, enjoying innocence? Yeah, I mean, and to your point earlier, it it uh, it seems like all the all the adults are just like they fight the kids constantly, tooth and nail. If my son came to me and and said. Dad, there's a psycho clown that is attacking everybody and stealing kids, and I think he has my baby brother. Uh, okay, that's a little. I'd be. I would listen. I'm sorry, but I would yeah. listen to him because where is this going? Because even if going? it's made yeah. up, it's going to take you somewhere that you need to know about anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Like, why are you thinking this or seeing this or whatever? Let's go down this rabbit hole together. Yeah. But. That is not the case. <laughs> like, yeah, that's not at all what they did. And in fact, when – and some of this I don't really know how to parse because our first time meeting Bill's dad, and it's the only time we meet his dad, yeah. um, he's demonstrating, hey, I've worked out where Georgie would have landed. Right. If he's down there, this is where he'll be. And his dad just told him, hey, get over it. Georgie's gone. And you're what you're doing is upsetting everybody. Yeah. Um, Bill didn't like that, of course. But what's interesting about that in particular is he doesn't grow up until he actually does what his dad said because he has to kill Georgie and admit that's not Georgie. Georgie's gone. Mm. And yeah, then they were finally point. able to defeat, you know, Pennywise. Yeah. Um, and similar, and this was the hardest one for me to figure out was Richie. Uh-huh. What is Richie's deal? Because he's just afraid of clowns, and that just seems like such a normal thing. But what I actually think it's representing is his own immaturity. Hmm. He's a clown. He doesn't take anything serious. Um, and so he has to grow up. And it doesn't necessarily mean you know you can't be funny anymore. You can't be enjoyable. But you have to, at some point, step up to the plate yeah. and, and know when it's time to put immaturity aside, yeah. which is – what he does in that final I, scene. Oh, man. Absolutely. Oh, it's so good. Because my jaw is on it, the floor when they get to that moment and he starts lecturing Bill as Bill is in the throes of yes. Pennywise. Yes. You're like, oh, my God, he's really about to leave him. Yeah. And up to that point, you can I could imagine everybody walking away. I'm like, Bev is the only one who's really demonstrated any courage out of the rest of these people. Mm-hmm. And even she is feeling a little shaky right now. And so it's falling on him right now, and he's kind of giving everyone the excuse. And Bev is still crying out, like, no, you can't do that. But she, if you're crying out, oh, please don't do that, it almost to me is admitting that, yeah, you'll go too. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, we can't just go, oh, God, I got to (laughs) go. If y'all are going, then I'm not going to face this. Yeah. Um, And so he does, right? And he has that amazing monologue uh, that I'm not going to say here just for those who are actually going to still listening to this <laughs> having not seen it but why are you doing that i know um but it's such an incredible moment that is by far my favorite moment in the movie um and you know i guess i really didn't write down any notes on ben his big fear i guess is just being alone mm. and being without anybody you can see he's used the uh the library as his refuge right that's yeah. what sparked sparked all this information in the first place and it's in the library where he gets attacked mm-hmm. and it's it's confronting the fact that he has nobody there <laughs> he is all alone in the cellar yeah. Yeah. yeah and 
Yeah, so I think overall that's the that's the heart of the message, um, and both of those things are very well reflected in the horror and the uh, and the drama, which I think is best demonstrated with with her with Bev because that's such a very specific attack, right? The the blood and the hair uh, of a girl going through puberty and uh, experiencing all the craziness that probably goes along with that obviously i wouldn't know mm-hmm. um but that's such a visceral real thing to to deal with and i really love that that's how they dealt with how they displayed it but also that all those kids came to her her side yeah and <sighs> and and that uh, bill didn't want to leave the bathroom yes that way even though her dad couldn't see it um she's the only one they could see it he he said no, you're not going to live in this. We're not you know we're going to mm-hmm. clean this up. We see it, we're going to clean this up for you. For you, yeah. And I thought the love triangle between Bill and Ben is really really interesting. Yeah. Um, because on a, on the face, Ben doesn't have a shot, right? Yeah, right. Uh, he's overweight. He's new. He's not cool. He likes new kids on the block. Um, but that also kind of became his in, uh, Mm -hmm. with her, like their running punchline, even though he was kind of the butt of it, she never really made him feel like the butt in front of all the other friends. Yeah. Like when she shut the door of the poster (laughs) and, and they had a moment and then she, you know, opened it back up or or hid hid the poster essentially. She wanted him to know, Hey, I see it. Yeah. I see it. It's hilarious. Yeah. But I'm not going to, she took care of him. Yeah. You know, and I love that. And that's his thing that he has to overcome with her is you can't be a love interest. If you know, in, in, especially in film, but probably mostly in the real world too. If, uh, if you're a guy and the girl pities you or, you know, um, because there's a certain element of that that's in there. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I think he's working on, which was really cool to see him uh, try to wake her up. And he kisses her. And then and it works. It works. <laughs> and the first thing she says, January embers. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, my heart burns there, too. And she just lights up. She's like, oh. And so there is competition on the yeah on the yeah. path. Yeah. Um, because Absolutely. he's got something, even if it's not necessarily bravery or popularity, uh, he's romantic. Yeah. And, and yeah. he sees her. It's cool. It's yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stories that are like that too, right? Where there's like the the guy who's like the obvious choice, mm-hmm. and then there's the guy who's not, but he is heartfelt and he really means his love, and he he can express it in a way that is uh, unique and beautiful, just like just like he can. Yeah. yeah. And I love. There's some really subtle things they do with color in these oh, really? in these things. Um, if you look in the garage scene, and I'll post the uh, the video embed on, on the show notes at thepestlepodcast.com slash it. In that scene, he, Bill, is wearing a, a red shirt. It's a flannel, like a red and black checkered shirt, but it's a red shirt. And Ben is wearing green shirts, uh, shorts, these really dark, I don't know what color green this is, but it's not a normal green. Um, and Bev, and obviously we can point out that they all have names that begin with the letter B, 
BBB. Uh, so there is a, you know, a number of ways that they're pointing to a triangle there. But what Bev is wearing is she has these, she has a red shirt on, but she has these green overall shorts on that are the same color that Ben is wearing. Um, and so you can kind of get the feeling that she's torn. Like there, oh, there are these things going on inside of her that's that, deep. that she likes. Um, but in the, then in the last scene, you have everybody leaving. The last three remaining are the three of them, Ben Bev and Bill Bev DeVoe, uh, Bill, <laughs> Bill Bev Ben. Um, you have Ben who finally kind of bows out. He's like, okay, guys, I'll see you later. You know, there's obviously a vibe here, so I'm just going to let y'all have it. Yeah. And that was a sweet moment. That really was a sweet moment because they kiss. And what I thought was cool was that Bev leaves blood on Bill's face after the kiss. Right. Yeah. And I think that's symbolizing that she regained her innocence thanks to him or uh, she was able to he took the blood off of her, all those horrors, all those fears. He helped alleviate that. And now he's wearing it. And maybe depending on what happens in chapter two, you can also make the argument that maybe he's marked, um, maybe, or maybe he's just marked as a leader. Like he's, cause that was his idea, right? To, to create an oath and cut everyone's left hand. Mm-hmm. And so he's wearing that. So I think there's probably a lot of layers that goes with that, but on the, the most basic it's between an, him and Bev and that she trusts him and he did something for her that nobody else can. And therefore maybe you might say he also took her innocence in a sense. Um, mm. Maybe they don't want to show a sex scene, but maybe right. effectively that's, that's what happened there. Yeah. Like his first, her first crush or no, did she crush on any, on someone else? No, no. She said that she had a kiss before. Um, and it was a really nice kiss, but that was right. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. So there's some pretty cool thematic stuff going on that I think is really wonderful and worth rewatching with just that in mind. Um, and I know that there's a lot of little Easter eggs that they put in there, like from the original. Apparently like, I didn't pick up on like any of them. I mean, I, I didn't either, but just in some research that I did, um, there, there are some like the kids wear a lot of, a lot of t-shirts that have, um, that either reference other works from Stephen King or the original it. Um, so like, like for example, uh, in that scene in the tunnel, which I think is the scene you, you shared with everyone earlier, uh, Bill's wearing a tracker brothers t-shirt. And apparently that was from straight from the original. Like it was like, there was something, um, uh, what is it? Oh, it was a shipping com- company in Derry, uh, in the original story. And then there's another, cool. oh, Eddie wears a, uh, a t-shirt with a, a, a car on it with teeth. Yes. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Gritting. Yeah. So it, that's a, uh, a Christine. Christine. Yeah. It's a harken to Christine. Cause I was looking at that. I was trying to make sense of it. It's like, why is he wearing the shirt? Yeah. Uh, the last time I was, I watched it. Yeah. Uh, cause I was, you know, I started looking for all the little notes and things. And that's just way too obvious. <laughs> that, yeah, I uh, completely overlooked it. <laughs> right. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of other stuff too, but um, but those are pretty cool. Oh, and and the coolest one though is like um, apparently in the original um, Pennywise's arch like like 
enemy or the, the thing that could destroy him was a turtle. Really? It was a turtle. Um, there's a, I, I don't know the whole story, but, um, apparently this, this, it was a, a turtle that birthed the universe. It basically like vomited the universe. And when they're swimming in the quarry, um, I think it was Eddie says, Hey, it's a turtle, a turtle points out a turtle, but no you never way. see a turtle, Yeah, but it's under the water. And that apparently is where That's the turtle lives. So I mean, it was, maybe it was just a small reference to because, it. Because, uh, yeah, there's, there is a turtle that plays in another storyline of Stephen King that I'm very well aware of. So I think it would be a reference to that. What storyline? Um, uh, another series. <laughs> uh, say it. The Dark Tower. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know how significant I would call it. It's not to me very significant at all, but uh, okay. there is a lot of references to turtles, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> I don't know what you got going on here, oh. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but the cool thing, so the opening scene, right, is the rain and Georgie and, and Bill they're talking about making that boat and Georgia yeah. has to go down to the basement to get the wax. And after that, after Georgie leaves the basement, we actually, the camera hangs out there for a few more seconds. Uh, and you have this audio swell of dark tones and it almost feels like Georgie's fear down there summons it. Like he smelt it and he's like, did someone call? <laughs> <laughs> Like you're about to see him. Yeah, yeah, here he goes. And they use that a lot. Uh, the camera movement itself, they do a lot of J- Dutch angles anytime Pennywise is in route or uh, he's coming. What's a, a Dutch? So angle? a Dutch angle is whenever you tilt the camera off its axis, uh, whereas oh, okay. you know you might be parallel to the ground. Instead, now you kind of tilt, you know, left or right. And at one point, even. Stanley literally tries to fix the angle. <laughs> like literally he's, we take the p- point of view of the, uh, the painting and the painting is on a Dutch angle Oh yeah, and he writes us, he writes the camera, but that doesn't do anything. Cause then she's suddenly out of the painting and, and in the room. So it was a very temporary fix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they Interesting. do, they do that a lot. And they also do the, uh, like you were talking about earlier, the jump scares with the smash cuts, uh-huh. uh, which you know is, is just a loud noise, um, and sometimes you might incorporate a, move, a camera move with it as well, or something moving in the frame. Like uh, the most classic example is like in Alien, where you have the cat jumping out of the shadows. You know, it's like yeah. you have this tone build up. And it's like, oh, it's right there. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's just a <laughs> yeah. cat jumping out of nowhere. Uh, and it's it, in most horror films, it begins to feel cheap. But here, it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just because of how invested I am with the rest of the story. That it's so well performed and so well executed and written that it feels natural. It feels like, yeah, of course. Because, I don't, because that's not all, all it has to offer. Right. Yeah. There's other substance with the horror that goes along with it. Pennywise himself is a freak. Yeah. Um, Bill Skarsgård. Oh my gosh. Crushes this. Like who cast? Who was like, hey, let's this guy. Let's let's see what this guy looks like in makeup. Because he's he's like, I mean, I don't look at him and think that yeah, I can make him look scary in a clown in a clown outfit. But man, he 
crushes it, dude. Just because that opening scene was everything. Like for yeah. me, if I'm going to buy into this clown, because at this point, I mean, this is 2017, y'all. We've seen enough scary clown motifs yeah. that it just becomes kind of derivative and cliche and just boring. Um, and so this opening scene, I'm like, first, I grew up on that original It series with Tim Curry as It. Uh, so I'm like, you better have your your game tight if you're going to take over for t- Tim Curry. Yeah. Um, and the first few words, I'm like, oh, that's a little weird. It's uh, feels like he's trying too hard. But then there's this moment where there's this actual charisma that's happening between the two of them. And he kills it. Like he gets awkward and he just kind of stares at Georgie for like three or four seconds. And that's when Georgie gets scared again. He's like, I got to go now. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's so freaky. And then I'm in, I'm like, oh yeah. Oh, and he's drooling. Yes. That little drool coming off his lip. Just so good. And I, I think, Man, yeah, okay. Uh, you, you brought up that scene, and so I lost my train of thought because I got really, I, I got really scared right, yeah. <laughs> when you said that because I remembered that moment, thinking, "Oh, this is the real deal." Okay, yeah. no, this is going to be really interesting. Okay, now I'm back. I remember. Um, uh, to your point, I'm really glad you brought up the hanging, the the camera just hanging in the in the basement, just a few beats too long. I think that that is one of the reasons why the whole you know jump scare uh, tactic doesn't feel annoying because you don't get it sometimes mm. sometimes you think that you're going to you know the music rises and swells the camera's hanging out in a dark corner and then we go away and nothing happens you know and yeah. and 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 georgie got away and everything everything is fine and then you get it sometimes yeah so and that that is a new thing. Like I don't ever, I've never seen a. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen a horror film that does that so patiently as as this movie. And what you get from that is so much more whenever you do have those jump cut, those jump scares. But also, you get a longer film that when you think it's going to be over, it's not. And this film is just like that there were like three different moments i was like this could end right now and i'd be happy yeah nope <laughs> keep going um so you get you get just a you know a few more minutes um by elongating some moments and thinking that oh here it comes something's gonna happen some kid is gonna get taken whatever and you just it doesn't happen you know it's so good i love the moment where eddie we love eddie I love Eddie. God, I love Eddie. Eddie's so great. He is amazing. Especially when he stands up to his mom. It's just yeah. like, like, yeah, man. So good, good for because you. you feel his anxiety the whole time, and it doesn't feel like this is an actor indicating. I really feel like he's just needs to shut up. Like, yeah. dude, you're, you're annoying everybody right now. Stop. Stop. Yeah. You yeah. Know? But he's just that anxious, and he's really ready to go. He doesn't want to be in the gray water. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's just – it's. It's piss and poop. <laughs> and I love the uh, scene where he he has that moment in front of the uh, the derelict house, whatever that is. Uh, I forget the name of it. Um, and he runs into the leper and he's running from the leper. And I don't know if they do that this that much in this film, but they switch to what looks to me like a long lens, uh, which means it's a you can film very far away. Think of a zoom lens. Uh, and you can zoom in on something. That's what a long lens is. It's you're just able to see things like binoculars from far away. 
and they shoot this this running sequence of him going through the uh, the high weeds into the back of the house, and they're shooting it with this long lens from a distance, so that he's still kind of in this like medium shot from the at least from the waist up, if not you know maybe even from the knees, and doing that shooting it that way really allows you to put so much stuff between the camera and your subject, uh, Eddie. And now you're, you have all this stuff in between you. You're getting all this parallax, uh, all this movement happening between you and the subject at different, uh, depths that creates all this extra action because you're whipping across this field and it has a very handheld uh, feel to it on top of that. And so the action just feels absolutely frenetic and, you know, harried and you're like, what is, is he going to get away or not? Um, because it also skews your sense of depth. Everything suddenly feels also a lot flatter. And so you don't know if he's actually getting away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so they're doing all these really interesting things, uh, visually that helps, you know, bring you into the action and the, uh, the tension of it all. Yeah. Great filmmaking in a so lot good. of ways. And I'm sure if I went scene by scene, there's just so many cool things that I could find as a filmmaker, like, ah. Oh, Take note of this and keep it in mind if if the moment presents itself later on in a film. Um, there's also a really cool sequence in the uh, the pharmacy. I mean, I, I call it cool. I think it's cool. It's probably like very used in film, but it's the scene where Bev is looking at all the tampons mm-hmm. and she grabs a box and then she looks up and one her school hater is there, right? Um, and she's like, ah. Oh, I need to avoid her. And she starts walking down the, uh, down the aisle to the next aisle. And we dolly over from one aisle to the next. And she sees everybody. She freezes in her tracks. And then we have this rhythmic pop, pop, pop that happens. She hides the, uh, the tampon box, the roll of like adhesive tape falls to the ground. And then we cut behind, behind all of them. And we see, uh, Stanley's or Bill's head, uh, turn and look at her and it's just very rhythmic but it took some blocking because those things unless they're doing it digitally with that tape falling off that's that takes a little bit of rehearsal and practice yeah. uh, but it feels right it feels comedic and comedic is comedy is largely about timing it's not just about wit but the wit plays in the timing and that was, i thought that was just a really smooth exchange of uh moments uh rhythmically and I love finding those little moments because I'm like, oh, yeah, don't forget. There's other ways to approach comedy and to uh, introduce the idea of exposition um, because that also tells us that, one, once again, Bev is fighting her fear, um, which is, you know, uh, maturity. Mm-hmm. And they're also fighting something else. They're trying to hide something. Um, but maybe they they have an ally, too. And so it's just, Yeah. Yeah, little, little cool little moment. That's great. Yeah, you don't always need a joke. No, to no. be funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, because the the rhythm itself is humor. Yeah, and I love it. <laughs> so I have That's a question awesome. for you. As a kid, did you ever have a rock war? <laughs> uh, no, I I did not ever have a rock war, and I wouldn't have participated because I did, I don't like to get hit with rocks. <laughs> Um, but did you, uh, no, 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 did you, yeah, really? I did. you did. Yeah. We had a lot of rock wars, man. Oh my God. It varied. Like sometimes there were actual rocks, but other times, uh, they were like dirt clods that'll break upon impact. 
Okay, so you can get nailed in the face and it'll still it'll hurt, it'll sting, but it's not gonna like break your your orbital socket or anything. <laughs> <laughs> and so we would do those, but I mean we grew up in the country, man. It was, we did all kinds of stupid stuff like that and we at one point I think this was only once, we had a BB gun fight. <laughs> You, uh, you, yeah, crazy, so freaking country. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did you win? I don't know if anyone wins. No one really. <laughs> if you didn't like bleed afterwards, I think yeah. that was winning. Yeah. Technically, um, the first person to say okay, okay, all right. Yeah, but loses. I, I can't imagine bringing all these kids into a set and having them do some of these things. Like, how easy would it be to have a kid just? get too comfortable being around the cast and crew and just start doing stupid stuff. <laughs> Pretty sure it probably happened. Pretty sure. Yeah. But that's hard, man. It's hard to cast kid actors. I mean, yeah. I've only, I've only had to cast once, but I've had to act with kids on set as an actor myself. And that can be challenging. It takes a lot of patience to find the right cast. And I can't imagine. I mean, they only had two that I recognized, uh, Bill, uh, Jaden Lieber, who's done films in Midnight Special, which if you haven't seen, you should totally check that out. Um, and he also had the uh, lead role in St. Vincent. And he had another one that I haven't seen yet called The Book of Henry, but it's in my it's in my list. But he's a fantastic actor. And then obviously uh, Finn Wolford in Stranger Things, which if you haven't seen that, my God. Yeah, get on it. Because the new season comes out soon. Yes, yeah. I'm super excited. Um, but other than that, I mean, these are well, relative unknowns. And can I say that he wasn't the he wasn't the main character in this film? And I loved it. Right, it was great. It was oh. great. So like, uh, Jaden Lieber is probably he's like the movie star, mm-hmm. right? And um, he's uh, got all the credits and the right. Experience. So so it makes sense that he would be the lead. Yeah. But I still feel like um, the other kid what would you say his name finn F- finn that's right um well whoever played uh, finn oh richie yeah uh, richie is the character's name yeah, finn right. is a i still think that like more people recognize him true because of stranger things because and, of stranger and things it's, it's so recent and he's and, more distinct yeah yeah so it would have been easy to cast him as as bill but they didn't do it and that's I love true that. that's true and to double down on your your point like I I have facial blindness, right? If I don't recognize you in public, it's not because I'm a jerk. It's because I I you, just don't you recall. You really faces. do. Like yeah. you, you abs- if I grew my hair out and wore glasses and I saw you on the street, you might not recognize me, and that's not a lie, right? It's not a lie at all. Literally to the point after we had the conversation the last time, um, I went to the gym the next day and I was like, I think that's Todd. I almost went up and said hi, but I was like, no, let me stare at this guy from afar for a little while to figure out if it's Todd. And it wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just standing in the corner, staring at a dude. I just walked up to him, put my nose to his nose. <laughs> You're not Todd. And then I left, <laughs> but no. So for me to recognize, uh, Finn Wolford, I think was like, Oh yeah, yeah. That's the stranger things kid. Yeah. Um, became, it, Makes your point like, yeah, he is way more easily recognizable, even though I've seen uh, Jaden before, for sure, and right. liked his films. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I think that would have been easier, and I'm really glad because watching him play Richie, this foul-mouthed comedian, yeah. 
180 from oh. the from his other character. Oh yeah, absolutely. It shows his breadth of uh, of ability. Yeah. Sure. Now I just want to see him in everything as right. a supporting actor or not. I don't care. Just yeah. keep using this kid because he needs to be still be acting after he gets out of the uh, yeah the, the teenage kid phase. years. Yeah. Because yeah. um, that's such a killer of a transition in acting. Yeah. Um, He's not known as the. He's not like a one-trick pony, known oh. as like the the Stranger Things kid yeah. anymore. He can he can do a lot. Yeah, he's gonna own the screen for a while, I hope. Yeah. Um, but everyone almost was incredible. I thought everyone's performances were really good. I thought Ben was really great, uh, very mm-hmm. adorable and uh, charming in his own way, right? Yeah, and funny and funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then you also had. Uh, Eddie, we've already talked about, but Bev was outstanding. Uh, she, I see why they cast her. Not only is she like a really great actress, but she has a very distinct look look herself. Being you know redheaded and uh, with your light or skin tones uh, is really is an interesting dynamic. But she brought so much to her character that could have been left out with another actor. There's a lot of nuance, and if anything, um, Bill may have left out too much. Like. In some ways, he might have just been a little too flat as he was as his obsession over his brother was there. Maybe he could have brought more. I don't know. Uh, and I get I mean, there's still child actors. But the roughest one I'm about to get to right now. My grandfather thinks this town is cursed. He says that all the bad things that happen in this town are because of one thing, an evil thing that feeds off the people of dairy. But it can't be one thing. We all saw something different. Maybe. Or maybe it knows what scares us most, and that's what we see. I I, I saw a leper. He he was like a walking infection. But you didn't. Because it isn't real. None of this is. None of this makes any sense. They're all like bad dreams. I don't think so. I know the difference between a, a bad dream and real life, okay? We're all afraid of something. Got that right. Hi, right, Rich. What are you afraid of? Clones. <laughs> I mm-hmm. appreciate that we had finally a minority character, you know, in the film. Uh, Mike, the only, I think, I mean, other than, I guess, his relatives, the only black character in the film. Um, which, I guess, makes sense if this is set in Maine. But he, it, I guess it hurts me just because I don't think he did a really great job. He did an okay job, uh, which is fine. And in some in some parts, he was really good. Like his fight scene at the end, I thought was great. Yeah. Uh, so he's a really good action character, which sounds just so bad. But delivering dialogue. Yeah, I was like, man, that stinks because he has this monologue that is different from everyone else's. Every time someone kind of gets this monologue, they're really quick and here maybe it was just too much to tackle because you have this really long one take pushing into his face as he talks about uh the trauma that he endured as uh earlier whenever it was and yeah it was a unique one yeah because no one else really had that kind of that kind of line and he just didn't kill it 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 was just it felt felt rehearsed and in the wrong way and even just then you hear him putting in these stutters and it just feels very indicating to me Mm -hmm. um and it sucks because 
don't tell me we have all these white characters, these white actors, and they're all killing it, and we can't find, you know, uh, another really, really, really talented, you know, black actor. Um, yeah. That's that's really hard for me to swallow. Um, but I mean, all the same, I'm still glad he's in the film because we need more representation in in mm-hmm. films. Um, but I just think he could have he could have brought more to it, and hopefully, you know, uh, so stepping stone because. They're all still kids. They they have a lot to work on. I get it, uh, and I'm looking forward to what he brings in the next film. And hopefully, he's doubling down and working his butt off. Uh, do you think that it had something to do with directing, um, or do you think that that was probably the best they could pull out of him? That's a fair question. I I want to just put it on the acting. I think. I mean, if yeah, if anything, well directed. Yeah, I feel like if everyone else is killing it that well, then you're just you're just falling off your game. Maybe, maybe it was just a bad day because I, all of the, all of his worst scenes were in that one section um, where they're at the, the fair. Yeah. And so maybe, maybe he was just having a bad day. Maybe he stressed out the night before he didn't get any sleep and it affected his performance. Um, that stuff that's happened to me. Yeah. Uh, my last short film, I uh, totally screwed my, my, my lines and all my dialogues just because I was stressed and I got an hour and a half of sleep the night before. <laughs> Yeah, go perform well on that. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so that stuff happens, and and I think everyone gets a mulligan. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see what he brings to the next one for sure. But uh, overall, though, everyone was absolutely incredible mm-hmm. uh, in their performances and their interactions. Because it's hard, man. It's hard getting all these kids together and trying to say, man, I hope there's chemistry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. most of my favorite films that have a bunch of child leads – uh, that's usually what I end up liking the most about a film. I love Super 8 not because I think it's a good movie, but because I love seeing all those kids together. Yeah. There's a real genuine camaraderie that's that's in there. Yeah. Uh, that's just so cool. Yeah, I love that film for that. For right. some reason, I think um, just I feel like films that have kids as the main the main focus, they – one for two things. I mean, like one, I, they kind of get not a free pass, but it's just it's a little bit more. You're able to forgive a little bit more. I don't know how to say it. Not not in the acting, not in mm-hmm. anything. Just just, I think it kind of like maybe brings you back to when you were that age, yeah. you know, or something like like you kind of regress a little bit with with them uh, and and are able to put yourself in there. You empathize with them, I think maybe. Um, whereas adults, not necessarily, you know, you just, you're, I don't know how to put, I don't know yeah. how to put it into words, uh, you know, like, yeah, uh, it's, there's a little nostalgia by empathizing with a character, yeah. a child character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. And especially in this case, because I mean, I'm a nineties kid. Yeah. And so watching all these kids, you know, dealing with, late 80s and music and all that definitely sends me back and so I'm, i feel like i am their their eighth person in the losers club yeah <laughs> really? you know like we're all in this together even though i'm not talking yeah <laughs> absolutely and i love it that they called it the losers club like me too it just kind of kept growing and more and more as the film progressed yeah i mean even uh the the scariest part to me was henry um the bully Mm. because where does he stop? What is he capable of? Every time you think 
He's got a knife, but he's not really going to use it. He's just going to use it to scare him. Yeah. And then he starts carving his name into his stomach. Yeah. Holy crap. That gave me the freaking jitters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, you know something's seriously wrong with this yeah. kid. Yeah. And then with his dad. Oh, man. Horrifying. I mean, yeah. I mean, so was he possessed? That And that's the thing. Uh, I, I really couldn't piece together. I Maybe I was just too focused on everyone else, but I couldn't piece together exactly his deal because uh, I guess for him coming of age meant, right, uh, besting his father. Like everyone yeah. was having to deal with something and he lost. He, he wasn't able to rise above. He wasn't able to conquer his issue, which made him fall victim to his, yeah, I guess possession mm-hmm. uh, would probably be one of the best ways uh, to put it because you see Pennywise in the uh, the TV show, like kill your dad or, you know, yeah. the, the, the lady. Him. Yeah. Kill your father. Kill him, Henry. Then come to the sewer. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I, know what to do. With- I feel like he was. Yeah. I think so. <clears throat> Because we never really get that much insight to his two cohorts. Um, we see the one get his, and then we see the other uh, nothing. He just kind of disappears. So That's right. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, maybe he comes back in the chapter two. Is there going to be a chapter two? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many chapters there are, really. It's been so long since I saw the miniseries yeah. that, to me, there could be two chapters. There could be four uh, there could be three. I have no idea. There could, yeah, I have no idea what happens. So, so interesting. Cause at the end, yeah, at the end it says chap- chapter one, but you know, but we if have, he only comes back every 27 years. Yeah. That means we would have to effectively wait. Does this mean I have to go watch the original? Ooh, Ugh. I've been debating that. Like I yeah. queued it up and I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that just because I'm enjoying this series so much yeah. that I don't want to ruin because I've completely forgotten what happens next. Yeah. And I don't want to ruin that with a bad version of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It'd be like if we made a B version of Game of Thrones and it's like, oh, do I really want to do that? Yeah, I want to use my time to, yeah, to watch. Whatever, dude. You are totally going to go watch it. Because you don't care. You do crazy things like read Infinite Jest. Oh, that's true. But here's what I am neurotic about is spoilers. And now I feel like rewatching the original It would be a spoiler. There you go. Boom. Yeah. Don't watch it. There it is. Okay. It's settled. <laughs> so, so none of your jerks comment spoilers. <laughs> Thepestlepodcast.com slash it. Drop us a note. Boom. Um, so what do you think makes a good horror film? I think... It does come back to drama. It comes back to can you invest us in your story? Mm-hmm. Because they do such a great job here of getting us invested in these kids' lives and their own personal journeys that now that you're invested, the very idea of ruining their lives, hurting them, harming them suddenly becomes too much. And we care about what happens on screen. The the scary movies that I end up not liking or walking away and saying, meh, it was just, you know, it was a cool creature, but, you know, I wasn't really yeah. scared. Uh, usually comes back to not having a good drama at its core. Even yeah. 
you know, classic films uh, that aren't that aren't necessarily dramas. Uh, they do such a good job of making us care about what the character cares about, even if it's not something that like a love triangle or issues with your parents. Everyone involves some interesting theme that they're addressing outside of the creature itself. The horror itself is tied in in some way. Uh, and you can do that with the thing or alien. You can do a really good job of saying thematically, what are we talking about and what are the other ways that they're addressing it um, in the, in the subplots in the rest of the story. So yeah, I think that's what ultimately makes a good horror. And then once you've built that, right, it's all about, well, how can we incorporate these things and overlap them in a, in an honest way so that it doesn't feel like we're just taking a pause before we go back to, you know, the thing we actually enjoy, uh, which yeah. is the blood and the guts. <laughs> I think you're, I think you're going to like my recommendation this week. Ooh. Yeah. And so I'll finish with this, um, because that's where all the tension comes from. All the tension is from the, the suspension of disbelief. And the more you're, you're grounding these people, uh, your characters in a world that you care about, the more you're dis- uh, suspending disbelief and therefore allowing all this tension to creep in. Yeah. I mean, I could probably have a, another full hour conversation about that, but yeah, I mean the, the hanging out in the corner yeah. when nothing's happening because we it's know like, it's there. Yeah. That's why we're here. Yeah. You don't have to remind us every second. Right. Um, you don't have to not let other things happen. Yeah. We know it's there. Yeah. And just a hint here and there. Yeah. It's just, that's all we need. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why books are so do such a great job, right? Because you paint the picture yourself. So again, you know, back to the leaving the camera in the basement for a few extra seconds, your mind goes places mm-hmm. that it wouldn't normally go if you actually saw Pennywise there. Yes. You know, your mind is putting him there, putting yeah. his essence there, which in, in a sense is scarier because you <laughs> hadn't even seen him at that point yet. Yeah, I think for me, you know... Again, I'm not the I'm yeah. not like a huge scary movie buff, but the ones that I have seen that I remember that I walk away feeling like wow, that was intense or that was like like really scary. There's a there is usually for me an essence of realism mm-hmm. in it, like because that's where it gets psychological, right? Yeah, yeah. Usually it's like oh well, that could really actually happen. And that's scary as hell because it could actually happen. Now, this, you know, most likely, let's say, (laughs) wouldn't actually happen. But the way that they the way they put it together and and I know it wouldn't actually happen, but it's still really, really entertaining. And it's still really fun to watch these these kids figuring out how to deal with this, which I feel like, you know, growing up, there's a lot you have to. I mean, hell, we're adults and we're still figuring stuff out, right? Yeah. Um, so there's a scary aspect of that. So maybe that's the realistic, the realism in it for me. But it was really scary, but it wasn't, to me, it wasn't like like the scariest thing I ever saw. Yeah. It, it was, and it didn't need to be. It, it didn't. And what I think they did really well is they came out of the gate with their hardest punch of the entire movie, uh, which stuns you. Uh, seeing Georgie oh, get his arm yes. bit off and crawling away in the rain. Yes. What a freaking image. Yes. 
Because from that moment, you're like, you've never seen that kind of violence against a child. No. um, In in very many mainstream movies. And honestly, the whole rest of the movie, I think that that's the worst part. Yeah. Uh, There's there's another another part where I forgot his name, but the Stanley. where he's getting his, his face, face chewed, yeah, on. chewed on oh. like that. Okay. That was great. But like, you know, he got away. Yeah. But Georgie didn't, he literally he ripped his arm off and it was, it was super intense and I did not expect it I didn't at either. all. I expected no. him to grab his arm yeah. and pull him in and, and then that was it. Next scene. Right. But they didn't, him do that and it was great because they used it in a really intelligent way because they when the, they cut to kind of a reverse angle uh the woman who had looked out the window previously uh and saw georgie you know squatting down in front of the sewer she looked right after that she looked out the window again and saw blood in the water and that yeah. began the the conversation that would ultimately say she said this to the police and that's how bill found out that he was around a sewer that maybe he fell in the sewer uh, and maybe that's what happened. Yeah. But I think it all does go back. Uh, I think this is a tangent unexpected, but uh, it all goes back around to what you were talking about before. Parents know something is up. They don't know what, because they never cared enough to look into it. Yeah. They've all kind of accepted that sometimes kids go missing and they're all in on, there's some kind of secret that's going on in that town. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so what is your recommendation for the week? Uh, Unless you weren't done. I'm sorry. No, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I can't wait to recommend this. Um, uh, I don't think we've recommended it before. Maybe we have. It follows. Ooh. So we talk about scary movies and, um, what makes a good one. Uh, this one for me is a prime example of a film that like, does a really good job of scaring you in a way that's that's real where where you know i'm not trying i don't want to do spoilers and i won't i won't but where like it's it's something that isn't you wouldn't think normally would happen yeah but if it did you're screwed yeah (laughs) you know in, in so many ways and uh if you haven't seen it it follows you should absolutely go see it it's it's fantastic. The acting is is really well done. The writing is great. Um, the whole storyline, like the the premise of it, yeah, is brilliant. It's really brilliant, and it and it's fun to watch because you're thinking the whole time you're thinking I would be so screwed. Yeah. <laughs> and um, which brings you in to to all of the actors and what they have to go through. Yeah. Uh, in this film. So yeah. great reco. I'm going to recommend stand by me. Hey, there you go. Yeah. If you like Stephen King and his drama, uh, genre writing with kids, that's another, you know, story that he wrote with a bunch of kids who are dealing, you know, in a coming of age film. Uh, that was, that was a really, I always forget how affected I am by Stephen King because of how many of his films I grew up on just watching, you know, over and over again. And that was really one of the earliest ones. That might've been the first Stephen King film I watched really, really strong, powerful film that if you want insight into me, I think that's something you got to watch. Yeah. So go check that out. And next week we are going to be doing V for Vendetta. Yeah, buddy. Really excited about that. Me too. Um, 
And also leave us a note saying if you'd like us to take on anything interesting. We had a request for La La Land, by the way. Oh, great. Yeah, so we'll be doing that in the coming weeks. And we may even have a new special guest coming on that I'm really excited about. Don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes. And you can drop a comment on this episode at thepestlepodcast.com slash it. All right, so we're going to leave you with a quote of the day by Stephen King. Even bad guys, most of them anyway, see themselves as good. They're the heroes of their own lives. Giving them a fair chance as characters can create some interesting shades of gray. And shades of gray are also a part of life. I love that. I think that's what goes into making a good villain is making them justify and see the world in a way that they're the good guys. Um, And I love that he says that. Giving them a fair chance as characters. Yeah. (laughs) Because so often we don't – writers don't really do that. They make them this two-dimensional thing that they're evil just because they're evil. Yeah. They just like kicking puppies or whatever. Yeah. It's like (laughs) that's not the way humans really work. No, absolutely. There's a reason for that. There is. And even – even if you were to look at sociopaths, uh, they may be devoid of like guilt and some some baser emotions that we need, uh, but they also still see the value in being reciprocal in order to get what they want. Like just because someone's a sociopath doesn't make them automatically a bad person. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, you need to justify their worldview to the audience. Yeah. <laughs> in some way, and I think that's a really good way to you know someone if you're gonna listen to someone listen to Stephen King and it's it's really good when it's done well because it 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 makes the audience have their own little war in their head yeah because now all of a sudden even though you're going for the quote-unquote good guy you know it it validates in some in some respects the the decisions of the of the bad guy right or like the actions of the bad guy so whereas like you said, he's just bad. Yeah. Um, now, he's he's bad, but I kind of get it. You know, yeah. maybe you know, I I he's actually I trying to help everybody, even though he's doing it in the worst way possible. Yeah. He's trying to save the world. Yeah. Um, he's not just trying to. Which is going to be really good discussion for next week. Ooh. Really good discussion when we talk about V for Vendetta. Y'all go watch that movie. Yes. Go watch it. Go watch it. All right. So uh, until next week, guys, uh, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch some movies. Mm